So the more that you work on your vagus nerve, you actually strengthen the tone of it. Sort of like going to the gym, the more you tone your legs or, you know, your glutes, or your biceps, the stronger they become, the easier it is to pick something up, for example, with your arm. The more that you practice your vagus nerve and vagal tone, the stronger it gets. So you can have the exact same trigger, but it doesn't stress you out as much. You know, when you see people who are really jumped, that's because the vagus nerve is, isn't, you know, strong and toned enough. But if you toned up your vagus nerve, you could have the exact same thing that would usually make you jump and it wouldn't make you jump because your stress response is calmed down. Welcome back to another episode of Witchy Wellness Radio. Again, I'm your host, Lauren Shalantani, and this is a show you learned how your body and emotions are not in the way they are actually leading the way. And we have the honor of ta- talking with Octavia Menunis and Laura Bennett today. They host their own podcast, which we will dive into in a bit. But these are a couple of friends who discuss acne, anxiety, gut health, And Octavia is a registered nutritional therapist, and the premise of the show is for her to teach Laura every week something new about those. They aim to provide actionable and easy steps to understand information and create a community of women who can help support each other to understand why they're struggling and what to do with their symptoms. We're probably going to be starting talking off the vagus nerve, plus all those things and so much more. Welcome to the show, Otavia and Laura. I'm so excited to have both of you here. Hey, Lauren. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, of course, of course. And we start the same way on every show, and I'm sure your two journeys are going to be obviously different. But how did you guys get into, first of all, Tavia Nutrition, and what was your own healing journey maybe that led you there that wanted, wanting to have your podcast and help other women? And then, Laura, after she's done, what's your own journey that led you to be co-hosting this podcast? I'll start telling you how I got into nutritional therapy. My father, who's Greek, has quite a successful business working with people in, with nutritional therapy. So I always had that in my mind and I knew that there was something out there further than like traditional like modern medicine and I had quite a few issues growing up I had undiagnosed ADHD so I had a lot of anxiety not realizing where that was coming from that then led on to things like hormone imbalance really bad IBS quite bad depression and I just never really felt healthy I just always felt like life was a struggle I was always having to live life based around my symptoms low energy levels really feeling so anxious that sometimes I wouldn't want to leave the house or I would just feel really down a lot, didn't ever feel in control with um, my gut problems. I would have to base what I was doing on a day around where the nearest loo was and things like that. And I just felt really frustrated every time I went to a doctor, not really understanding what was going on with me. And I just felt so separate from my body. And I didn't feel like I had any influence or understanding about why I was feeling the way I was feeling. So one day I decided I need to study this. I, I want to learn. I want to know what what's going on. Um, so I enrolled in the nutritional therapy course and through that I think within a couple of months just the few things that I learned at first were so revolutionary for me I went and saw a nutritionist in the clinic and my symptoms were just completely night and day so different still struggled a little bit because I wasn't diagnosed with ADHD until later on but yeah my IBS cleared up my skin cleared up a lot my anxiety calmed down and just understanding why I was having these symptoms and these problems and how to manage them was so empowering that I'm so passionate now with helping people to understand what's going on in their bodies rather than feeling like really frustrated and trying to get help from doctors all the time and then 
being told oh it's normal or you just have to live with it it's my absolute pet peeve uh, so that's why I'm so passionate about what I do and where the idea of the podcast came from as well yeah so we met say about 11 years ago now thinking about I'm just thinking about when it was and we just stayed in touch we met at a certain place where we were working we stayed in touch and I've had my own kind of issues with acne anxiety quite badly and I used to go to Tavia for nutritional advice as in a sort of client setting and they're just there's so much misinformation out there about nutritional stuff especially like the fads and TikTok and these kind of crazy things people say and I think we wanted to bring something that was accessible for the normal people who weren't educated about nutrition so that's where it was born so Tavia is giving me advice on the podcast and then everyone else can benefit from it so yeah that's where the idea came from so she is literally teaching me about nutrition and busting a myth on some of the crazy things that you see online that aren't always necessarily true and can be a little bit detrimental maybe Hmm. so we do like a myth buster on a monday where we'll look at something that's a common myth and and we'll bust it and we're like let's talk about why that's rubbish and then on a wednesday we take a deeper dive and we talk through it a little bit more in a bit more context yeah but we really wanted Hmm. to make it accessible for people so they understood what was going on rather than just feeling bombarded with lots of different conflicting information understand how your body works Mm. in relation to the environment rather than trying to control your environment all the time because that's really the point yeah and i think that's such an accessible easy way for us to learn is to have somebody who's learning it with us like laura so going through the base like what you just said i want to dive deep into that we can't control our environment we'd love to we try to so what's a good jumping end point basic levels that maybe a lot of the mainstream, the fads don't touch on to help us start to gain that wisdom about our bodies, regardless of what we can control or not, of really feeling grounded, strong, healthy, probably calm as well as a starting off point. Yeah, this is why we like talking about the vagus nerve because it has an impact throughout the whole body. So that's why we're talking about that. It's something that you can influence no matter where you are or what you're doing. And it does link to all other areas of the body. Do you want me to tell you a little bit? Should we tell you a bit about the vagus nerve? Yeah. So the vagus nerve is literally a nerve, surprise, that goes from your brainstem all the way through your chest cavity and links into, branches off into various different nerves and links into different parts of your, like different organs. So your heart, your lungs, your gut and other places. And it influences how stressed your different organs are. So it will literally interlink, imagine like the roots of a tree interlinks with your gut and your mucosal membrane so if you're stressed your vagus nerve isn't activated so your vagus nerve basically regulates a feeling of calm and relaxation and if you're stressed your vagus nerve isn't activated it's going to tense up and your gut's going to become stressed so you might get things like bloating you might get things like loose stools or maybe constipation depends which kind of way your body leans at the same time it will stop producing the neurotransmitters you need to feel calm so the brain chemicals you need to a sense of calm there are ones like GABA which is my favorite because it's nice to say and things like serotonin it also tells your heart to beat faster so that's where you can get things of anxiety so it's a really good place to start because there are really simple ways that you can activate your vagus nerve and start to strengthen it and because it literally goes throughout your whole body and connects to different parts of you it has such a massive impact on your health and your body yeah, so that's one of our favourite places to start. 
Amazing. Mm -hmm. I know the vagus nerve affects so much. We don't really know about this. Laura, you, I'm sure, have learned firsthand from Otavia about the vagus nerve. Was there anything that stood out to you as, as a lay person, if you will, learning about all of this that you think the listeners might really benefit from hearing from your point of view? Yeah, because I only really, I'd heard the, the term, but I didn't really understand what it was. I thought it was like I said to Otavia when she first mentioned it, I thought it was like a little tiny nerve in your body somewhere. I didn't know it was like connecting all this stuff. And that just blew my mind. I was like, if it's going to connect everything, it's going to have a massive impact on like your whole body. But I think there were things about that you can do to override it in terms of breathing techniques, yoga techniques, which were actually really quite simple. So even if you don't understand how the vagus nerve works, you can do something to stop the negative effects of it when it's not doing what you want it to do. So you're able to really bring your body back into homeostasis and shift out of the stress response, if you will. Could you guys give us some examples of maybe your own life where you had to do this or deploy this and come back to that balance? And maybe what was the process that helped you in that movement shift? Yeah, it's funny. We, we, we've done a couple of episodes on the vagus nerve. And I, when we were doing the edits, I was remembering a story that I told Laura about. Because one of the things you can do to activate your vagus nerve, so, so we say in the episode how a lot of people who feel stress or anxiety, they don't realize that just trying to not feel stress or anxiety doesn't work. You need to move from one state to another. So you need to move from a state of stress, which most of us are in most of the time, some level of stress response. You need to turn away from that and you need to turn into or onto a calm and relaxation. And we talk about ways to do that. And one of the times that I was recalling was when I was really stressed and overwhelmed at work and was really sad, I was crying a lot because I felt like a panic attack coming on and I was just spinning out. And I knew that yoga helped me. And I went into a private room where no one could see me and I just got into downward dog. <laughs> and I just stayed in downward dog. And I remember sobbing and being like, this is ridiculous, it made me laugh. But then it helped me to calm down. I didn't realize at that point, this was years and years ago, I didn't realize why. But since doing the episodes on the vagus nerve, we've learned that it's because the muscles that you use when you're in downward dog literally connect to the vagus nerves. It physically turns it on. So then it turns on your resting state. Even if your thoughts are still anxious thoughts, it's going to physically turn that on. So that's one that really stands out to me is being in a place of complete overwhelm, verging on quite a serious panic attack, hyperventilating, crying, going into downward dog in yoga pose and then being like, oh, I actually feel better for some reason. I'm not really understanding why, but it definitely worked. I've had, and I didn't know about the vagus nerve when I used to do this, but I get used to get really bad anxiety driving to work. I used to work in a project that was, it felt like it, there was times that it was quite unsafe. So I never quite knew what I was walking into. So I would always get anxious on the way to work. And I started singing along to the radio, which kind of slowed my breathing down without me realising it. And that, I think looking back was probably having an effect on the vagus nerve but I just didn't know that's what it was so yeah that really helped me calm down before I got there weirdly so what I'm hearing is the witchy wellness podcast tagline is your body is not in the way it's leading the way and this is just another beautiful example of this of like different ways your body has that wisdom to Re, I, I keep thinking homeostasis to rebalance, to shift out of that state of stress mm -hmm. into that calm, grounded center. 
So it's really you're you are doing things to physically activate that system. Is that like the correct way of generalizing how to access your vagus nerve? Yeah, I definitely think so. We'll be talking on one of our episodes about how modern life and the modern day things that we experience are not as they should be. So we used to live, if we think like years and years ago, we lived in caves. We would be sitting around, maybe eating, maybe sleeping, and then there'd be an attack and we would immediately jump to that attack and we would have stress and we would fight off the attack or we'd run away. Then the attack would go and we'd be able to be calm again. Nowadays, okay, some we don't always get attacked every day, but we have sort of things that constantly trigger our stress response. So a text from someone who that you don't want to talk to or someone knocking at your door or oh I've got to pay that bill or constant worries that keep us in that physical state of stress. So it, we're not really living life how we used to and we're not adapted properly to it yet. So it's not that like you say, it's not that there's anything wrong with our bodies. It's the environment that we struggle to be around. So it's what can we do to bring us back to that state of calm and relaxation? And unfortunately, nowadays, we need to actually actively do that. It's not something that we can just take granted anymore because the environment that we're in triggers us so much. But like you said, it's not your body that's the problem. And it's something that you can learn how to improve. So the more that you work on your vagus nerve, you actually strengthen the tone of it. Going to the gym, the more you tone your legs or your glutes, or your biceps, the stronger they become. The easier it is to pick something up, for example, with your arm. The more that you practice your vagus nerve and vagal tone the stronger it gets so you can have the exact same trigger but it doesn't stress you out as much when you see people who are really jumpy laura you were saying sometimes you get really jumpy and sometimes that's because the vagus nerve is, isn't strong and toned enough but if you toned up your vagus nerve you could have the exact same thing that would usually make you jump and it wouldn't make you jump because your stress response has calmed down yeah that makes sense yeah i think like today's environment is just super overwhelming overstimulating there's so much going on that you don't even realize is going on baiting you and I think we haven't evolved to keep up with the constant changing. So it is going to feel like overwhelming for, us, for a lot of people. And yeah, just trying to work with that rather than against it is definitely helpful, I think. Now, in terms of your podcast, it's called Teaching My Friend Nutrition. So from a nutritional standpoint, is, is, a, is there a cleaner, cleaner environment internally in terms of diet and nutrition? Does that help us strengthen that connection when we start to practice that vagal tone or the tuning into that part of ourselves? Yeah, it, it's a two-way street. So the vagus nerve can literally impact your internal state and vice versa. For example, your gut health. So a lot of people, I would say, I say 95%, probably more like 99% of people I see in clinic come to me with gut problems. It's an epidemic at the moment. And if you have gut damage so you take your microbiome the bacterial balance in your gut it's like a bed of should be like a bed of flowers of roses right that's all the good bacteria that do things like help your metabolism they help to keep your bowels regular they help to digest things modern life stress antibiotics things like sugar alcohol they can kill off it's like pouring weed killer on flowers and you get weeds growing through those are the pathogens the, the naughty bacteria that we call them that kind of cause symptoms like bloating or inflammation and gut damage if you aren't supporting your gut and addressing those things, those pathogenic bacteria can really damage the vagus nerve, which can then do things like send a stress signal to your vagus nerve, which then sends a stress signal to your brain and your brain thinks it's danger, but it doesn't know what because it's internal. At the same time, if you start to support your vagus nerve, that can literally help to encourage your gut to produce more beneficial bacteria. So it's a two-way street. But yeah, if you have a lot of 
sugar, that's going to not be good for the vagus nerve. If you have things that are highly processed or lots of inorganic foods that are covered in chemicals, that's also going to be releasing toxins, which can also damage sort of the vagus nerve in the gut. So it is very important to consider what you're putting in your body and what's around you as well. So we talk about environmental toxins and things like that can be quite important. And there's so much you can actually do that you wouldn't even know to think that it would affect the vagus nerve, like the sugar and and the non-organic veg and stuff. It's just mad. Mm. So people are listening to this because I know there's infinite ways to clean up your environment, your health, your diet. What are some top ways that we can start doing that? You, You mentioned organic produce, limiting sugar intake, but what are overall people, there's so much information in TikTok and Reels about new fad diets and all superfoods this. But what are some easy, accessible ways that everybody listening can start to do in their lives for their bodies and their vagus nerve today? I think it's hard to give a blanket answer for everybody because it will depend on the individual. But I think my favorite things to say are the first things to get, which is not what people expect me to say, get a high quality water filter. Because one of the biggest sources of toxins, low-level toxins, but toxins nonetheless, is our water system and the pipes. You think about someone who I used to work with did a a study on the amount of drugs that were in our water because of the amount of people who flush drugs away so they don't get caught by the police. That's just one tiny example. But there are so many sort of trace elements of things like arsenic and copper and different types of toxins. They've literally had studies where it's shown that our water waste has killed off certain fish species or the hormones that are found in that water has caused sort of like intersex um, issues with, with fish. So water is something that you should be drinking a lot of every day. So that's my first thing is to get a good quality water filter. And then I think in terms of other easy things to do, I would definitely recommend just trying things like for the vagus nerve, deep breathing, yoga if you like it, or singing, something that you enjoy doing. But also just look at how your gut health is. I think you can never go wrong if you just bring it back to the gut because the gut is the soil of the tree of your body, so to speak. I don't know why I'm using so many tree analogies today, but it's where everything is produced. It's where everything is regulated. So if you notice that you have some bloating or you have there, just look at, okay, my gut's telling me that I need a bit of support because whatever's going wrong in there is going to quote unquote be going wrong elsewhere. So if you have low mood and you have gut problems, then it's probably interlinked, right? So looking at things like probiotics and we use things like digestive enzymes, obviously you need to be working with a practitioner for that, the things that are going to support your guts and just trying to reduce sugar intake where possible. Laura's got quite a good tip for sugar, actually, haven't you? About how to eat it. If you're going to have, if you're going to eat it, how to eat sugar. Yeah, okay. I was listening to, I think, I can't remember her name, Jessie something, but she's called the Glucose Goddess. And she says, if you're going to have sugar and carbs, you need to have like a salad first or some veg first, something to slow down the sugar spike. And that is just like a really helps a lot. And I can physically feel the difference if I had something with sugar in without anything like on an empty stomach as to if I had something first to lay the foundations for that. And then you can feel like you just feel fuller for longer. And it's a really good piece of advice, I think. Definitely a really good hack. Yeah. I love that's an easy one too. Mm-hmm. Laura, in your life, other than that awesome hack, what are some, what have you felt like some ways that things that you've added or taken out to help really reconnect yourself to your vagus nerve? 
I definitely have tried to cut back on my sugar. I do use a water filter that Octavia prescribed to me. <laughs> so yeah, that that's definitely helped. And I, I don't do yoga, but I do sing long, prolonged notes and stuff in songs, which because obviously I sing as well. So that definitely helps. You can feel so different when you're singing compared to when you're just allowing that kind of panic or stress to take hold of you. And it's nice to be able to do something because it distracts you. You've got to think of the words that you're singing and that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's definitely um, some hacks. But I try to eat organic. I don't always. And I get food at work as well, which I don't know if that's organic or not. But, yeah, I do try a few things. But there's always significant room for improvement for me, always. (laughs) So I know you guys have mentioned on your show that why you think gut health and IBS isn't actually real. It's about the vagus nerve. So why do you believe that? And could you explain it to us? We've danced around it. But why do you not think IBS is actually real? Yeah, so that and the vagus nerve part are two different parts. So let me do the IBS not being real thing first. This is my favorite thing to talk about because everyone's like, what do you mean? I've been diagnosed. Of course you have. So IBS isn't a disease. It's not a certain state. It's an umbrella term used to describe a certain set of symptoms. So there'll be different types of IBS that your doctor or physician will say you've got IBSD, which means that you have issues of your gut where you have a lot of loose stools. Or it might be IBSC, which is a lot of constipation. You could have IBS diagnosed after you've had a certain food poisoning, and then it's always some kind of infection. But all IBS is an umbrella term for when you have something going on in your gut that hasn't been identified. And <laughs> it frustrates me so much that people aren't told through their physicians that it's something it's called subclinical so when you go to your doctor they're looking for disease state they're looking for danger so they're looking for something that's going to cause really significant potentially harm and they need to remedy that good that's what they should do right that's why they're there but if you have some pathogen in your gut that they don't test for because there are so many of them but it's not something that's going to cause specifically necessarily a disease state it's still there and it's still causing symptoms but they don't pick up on it there are so many causes of quote-unquote IBS they're just not picked up and then people are just given a label and they're told they need to live with it even dietitians on on Instagram that I, I see that say these are foods to eat and not eat and it's that doesn't matter you shouldn't have to live your life thinking what I can and can't eat it's not about the food it's about how your gut is responding to that food so I've worked with loads of people in clinic who we've identified there's a certain overgrowth of I don't know candida or a certain bacteria that has then caused so much damage to the gut lining it's caused inflammation so they've got lots of bloating they've got they swing from constipation to diarrhea so that's why ibs isn't quote unquote real in terms of the vagus nerve it can be you can have ibs onset from damage to your vagus nerve so if you have something like a head injury or you have compression of the vagus nerve that nerve then can become inflamed and because it goes from through your body and into your gut it can also impact your gut because it becomes inflamed inside your gut and then sends that inflammation and danger signals to your gut. So then you can have things like, for example, if you eat a bit of sugar, which is also going to cause more inflammation, that can really trigger gut symptoms. So that's when the vagus nerve could actually be the cause of of quote-unquote IBS. So interesting. I'm learning so much with you ladies today. I feel like I should be, I'm getting, I'm teaching me another friend nutrition today (laughs) with the vagus nerve. I knew vagus nerve in terms of relaxation and Mm -hmm. emotional, but with gut health, 
I think I love how you tied this all together. And the two, I know the two other things you guys talk a lot about are anxiety and acne. So I'm going to jump into anxiety first because it's something that was part of my healing journey. And I noticed how intertwined it was with gut health as well. Mm-hmm. So, Octavia, I know you said that you had anxiety, but also undiagnosed ADHD. Mm-hmm. So, could you talk to us about why that's related to anxiety? And then also, how does that vagus nerve play into all of that mixture? Sure. So in terms of how the ADHD played into anxiety, do you mean? Yes, because I don't know if a lot of people, we hear a lot about anxiety, but the ADHD is something that's also very popular. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, how does that play into this mix? Yeah, sure. We've got a couple of episodes specifically on ADHD and anxiety, if you guys want to check it out. But in terms of, it'll be different for different people. But I think generally there's, when you have ADHD, especially, I'm going to say, especially when you are a girl and woman, because you are told that you need to mask a lot of symptoms and there are a lot of more social sort of expectations put on us. So from childhood, my, my ADHD is combined type. So I have inattentiveness, which means that my attention is all over the place all over the time. And I have impulsivity, which means I can be hyperactive. So at school, I would hang out with boys all the time and I'd want to get in trouble and I'd be running around and playing football. And there'd be a lot of don't do that. That's not how you're supposed to behave. Or a lot of shaming would come from my behaviors. And I'd see, but they're doing that. Why can't I? Or I'd do make weird noises or just start singing randomly, which I, I still do. But I live on my own now, so I can do what I like. But when you're younger, you're told, be quiet, that you shouldn't be loud. You shouldn't be this. All this kind of social messages you're given, you end up masking. and It's like putting an armor around yourself and trying to suppress and hold all of that internal energy that you've got going on, which then it, for me, it was like a big ball of, of energy that I needed to get out and externalize. that I wasn't quote unquote allowed to, it wasn't socially acceptable. So I kept it in. And then that just turned into anxiety because I had to hold all of that energy. So I had to go somewhere. And I was also constantly fighting against myself and what I wanted to do and how I felt. And so there was a lot of internalization of what's wrong with me why am I like this? Feeling like there was something wrong with me, basically. And I think a lot of um, men as well, but women in particular, we do have a lot of social expectations put on us. We internalize a lot of things and we take on a lot of blame rather than a lot of people see ADHD as a loud, naughty boy symptom at school. It's never the loud, naughty girl because we weren't allowed to be loud and naughty because we get told off more. There's a lot of masking that comes along with ADHD and pretending to be something we're not. And that's exhausting as well. And that can then cause anxiety overplaying what did i say did i say something stupid was i a bit too loud or that kind of stuff that that can just go hand in hand with anxiety and i've heard cleaning up your diet heavy metal detox a lot of these things that we can clear up our system a lot of the adhd and even autism people have seen in their own experience their own symptoms that really dissipate do you, did you feel, do you feel like there is a connection between your vagus nerve, your nutrition, your health, and I guess minimizing the symptoms, but also seeing it from a point of growth rather than something that's holding you back? Yeah, definitely. Personally, for me, yeah, I have found that hugely. I think the biggest thing for me, I always say to Laura, if I tell Laura I've not gone to the gym for the last three days, she's like, oh God, are you okay? Because to me, that's such a massive help it gets out all my energy it helps me to concentrate it helps to reduce my cortisol I think before I studied nutrition my diet was so bad that I was just eating carbs all the time and that was just spiking my blood sugar and then what does that do cause anxiety and then cause energy problems for me I notice if I eat well and I eat good fats and good proteins and I eat regularly that really helps it's like a regulation issue with ADHD so it's 
looking at having three regular meals a day, sleeping at a regular time and exercising at a regular time. That all helps to regulate your symptoms and reduce them and also change the blood flows in your brain to the parts where maybe they're not as formed as in people with neurotypical um, brains. So the prefrontal cortex that are really important in things like memory concentration and emotional regulation but yeah I, I don't think that it's a case of oh you can quote unquote cure neurodivergence with that but i think it's we are a lot more sensitive and susceptible to our environment and triggers so there are things that can really help to reduce our symptoms for sure i think it's that learning experience of yes it's guiding you it's not in the way it's guiding yeah. you to do these things no matter what your brain looks like you know how your body works it's guiding you to be that better, happier, fuller version of you. And that's my main purpose. And all the guests that I have on here, that's a theme is like all these things, the diagnoses, the mm. life, the gut health, whatever, is here to sh guide you to look at things differently, to do things differently, to maybe be listening to this podcast and, and follow up, get a new water filter, whatever it is, <laughs> whatever resonates with your intuition. Yeah. It's all happening for you. And Laura, I don't, do you have any stories around anxiety or any other health stuff that you really had got to overcome working with Octavia or just learning from her in your own journey? You think that the obviously women listening to Witchy Wellness Radio can relate to that might be helpful for them as they are on their own healing but journey back to who they are. Yeah, sure. Obviously, we've, we've done so many episodes now, and, and Otavia, I've, I've learned so much um, from Otavia. I would say one of the most recent things for me um, was the episode we did around dairy and stuff, like hormones too much, estrogen, that kind of thing. And I suffer from incredibly heavy periods. I know everyone probably says, oh, mine are really heavy, but mine are ridiculous. Can't really leave the house at some times and it's just a nightmare and so I thought okay screw it I'm gonna give up milk and cut right back on all the dairy for a month and see what happens and I did that and it wasn't even that hard because I just thought just I just needed to see I had to do a certain amount but I just needed to see if it was going to make a difference and my last period was significantly lighter particularly at night which, yeah which was just mad I just I never really I know that too much dairy and stuff can raise like hormone levels in the body, and I, but I never really put the two and two together for the period kind of thing. I thought, oh, maybe I just need more iron and that kind of thing, which I did need a supplement. But yeah, there's just there's so many things that I would never have imagined would work. But I do think that Terry's right. Like the gut is such a good place to start because so much from the gut can affect. Because that's I recently found out where all the hormones are made, right? I didn't even know that so yeah it's just crazy how it affects you and I also have cut right back on caffeine because that has been a bit of a thing for me with anxiety and I've noticed the amount of caffeine I was having I didn't need it because it didn't really give me energy I just thought oh I feel tired at work so I'm going to have a coffee but actually it just made me feel anxious and that's been a bit of a wake-up call. And I think I've got a little bit less tolerance at caffeine as I've got older. Yeah, it was a win, I think, cutting right back on that. So I'm usually having one coffee a day now, which for me is really good. Amazing. I know a lot of those things are so many of us can relate to. And they're simple changes. And it's just learning to listen to your body. You don't have to be a nutrition expert. Mm -hmm. 
but to, to just experiment. So thank you both for sharing your own wisdom, expertise, your own body wisdom with us today. Was there anything else either one of you guys wanted to share before we start to wrap the show up? Any, any deep, dark you? secrets? Anything you want to confess? <laughs> um, uh, about the sugar that I ate earlier today. Oh, no. Not the <laughs> sugar. Done. It's done. It was ages ago. <laughs> and I did have some salad first, so I'm sure that's okay, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll get over it. Yeah, I think that's it. I've got no confessions. <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you guys so much again for coming on here. We close the show out the same way every day. How may we, the listeners, is a huge act of gratitude, be of service for each of you and return today. Yeah, go and check out one of our episodes would be great. And yeah, give us a follow and go and listen to one of our one of our podcast episodes if you'd be so inclined. Would definitely recommend my favorites are the ADHD ones or the Vegas nerve ones, anything that you fancy. Thank you guys so much for coming on to the show. It was such an honor to be with you today. Thank you for having us. Really enjoyed it. Such a nice chat. Thank you, Erin. Thank you everyone for listening.